wouldn't surprise me in the least if you were just a big coke head. <laughs> coke makes you skinny. No offense to Jefferson, but you know. Yeah, I know. No, you know what? Sometimes I wish it was. You are listening to Party at the All Points, a journey through the competitive realms of Age of Sigmar. And now your hosts, Dayton Obrey, Jeffrey Bodine, and Price Van Welcome, everyone, from our mouth to your ears. This is Party at the Elbow Points, episode 18. Technically 19, but 18. <laughs> uh, today, we're going to be talking about the Broken Realms, now that it's been released. And we've had a couple days, at least, to deep dive into it a bit. I'm sure you guys have gotten your content elsewhere, but uh, whatever. We don't mind being late to the party. We have our own team. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. We're still going to fucking talk about it, so. <laughs> yeah. You can't stop us. We do, we talk about what we want to talk about. Whatever meaningless gibberish we come up with today. <laughs> with me is Price. All right, Jeff. <laughs> hey guys. <laughs> Chatting away as usual, and then we got Price with the, all the enthusiasm in the world. Yeah, buddy. We're yeah. not talking about Aiden Thiebkin, at least not uh, for the entire episode. So well, sort of. Well, we're going to talk about Aiden Thiebkin. <laughs> Only a little bit. <laughs> a little they got bit. Better. A little bit. They got better. They're more diverse. They're more diverse, and that's what we were asking for, right? Unfortunately, I got to modify my wife's list now because she has two sharks and the turtle, and that's an extra sixty points in a list that was tight. Yeah. So it looks like the eels are getting dropped. Just three of them. Row, row. Yeah, I know. Twelve is still oh, be enough. No. Uh, but it's always good to be back. Sorry about being late. Uh, weekend was rough. I went to Nelson to go play some Warhammer 40k games. <laughs> it was fantastic against the team. It's probably going to be our last chance to play some games before we start locking down again because numbers are a screaming. Now they are here too. Oh, yeah. Everywhere. The rise. Yeah. Apparently, what, 700 new cases today? Yep. In the. It just 832 in Memphis. Oh. In Memphis. There you go. More yeah, than more than that. BC was 1603 days. And they're predicting a thousand a day if things and don't change. What the what is the matter with people? What don't you get? What do I have to say to push it through your stubborn head? You read that article Christ. that people are like denying it as they're on the friggin' podcast. Yeah, you know what? I'm starting to lose my empathy. And that's not good, you know? <laughs> yeah, I was reading about that. We're like, they're literally on their deathbeds denying uh, COVID. Hey, sick, y'all. But, <laughs> we got Age of Sigmar to talk about. Yeah. That is our real to, joy. Let's get on to a less depressing subject. Just turns out COVID is taking away our pleasure. So we got to talk about it once in a while. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, we'll jump into some hobby chalk as we do. And Jeff, what have you been up to, man? Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think what all I did this week. I worked my freaking ass off. That's what I did. Um, Is it cold there? No, not really. I mean, like it was 59 windy? this morning. It, it was it windy. windy? Yeah. It was windy on Saturday. Do you feel like your neck gets a little cold? Uh, <laughs> I don't know what this thing is you speak of. 
Were you wearing a scarf, my friend? Did uh, you know it was actually invented by the ancient Greeks? Ancient Roman men most likely invented scarves, but it was actually a sweat cloth worn around the neck or waist. Scarves became a real fashion accessory in the early 1900th century. Well, that's very exciting. I'm glad to know that now. <laughs> I'm going to let me just open up this window real quick because I'm going to jump out of it. <laughs> It just reminds me of the Aqua Teen Hunger Force joke where it's like, it's not a sweatband, it's a drool band. Thanks, Emery. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. know what? Bring me my blue windbreaker. To be fair, the great name is an ascot for a piece of worn material. That's fair. Ascot. An ascot. Brought to you by Scooby-Doo. And Venture Brothers. <laughs> God, I hope they bring that show back. HBO is trying to get it right now. Yeah. But so Jeff hasn't been up to anything. How about you, Bryce? Uh, oh um, yeah, you know what? I bought I bought some <laughs> Scorpec destroyers. Oh, I, I bought some Necron junk. Um, I got my Forge World Compendium, and I pulled some strings, and I got an in the flesh copy of the Marathi book. Thank you, by the way, to my local gaming buddy Travis Brooks for being so kind to let me take his spot and get the book ahead of him. That's pretty fantastic. I'm still sitting on the digital, and that's how I've been reading. Yep, I got the real deal, boys. Haven't been shipped yet from GW. Uh, haha, you suck. Yeah, Pre-order does nothing. Digital, so. I, bought some, I bought some skull dice, which is cool. They're like black 16 mil dice with little inset skulls for the pips. Yeah, we saw yeah. those. Pretty sweet. Saw pretty cool. I don't know yeah. if you know this, if you were watching the game that we were streaming on Saturday from the team YouTube channel, but uh, I don't think I'm using those Rage of Sigmar dice ever again. <laughs> <laughs> they put their icons on the ones, and man, do you just see that come up so much. <laughs> so they look nice. I don't think they're going to get played. But Bryce, so what you're what you saying is you had some variants. <laughs> no, I had ones. I had a lot of ones. Oh, I uh, I started going through some of my bits. I've been planning on doing a chaos, like heavily converted chaos army. Um, something I'm kind of working on. Hopefully, uh, funds will stay consistent, and I'll be able to do it. Um, but I started going through some of my bits this week, pulling out some admex stuff that I can find. Uh, kind of going and seeing what all I've got available. Um, I know that I want to convert up a chaos lord on a car. Caraca, how the hell do you say it? Carcadrac. Carcadron. Carcadrac. Carcadrac. So I don't I don't know exactly what I want to do for him yet, but I know he's going to be kind of like the centerpiece, and then I want to build the army from there. Uh, hopefully in some time without COVID, we'll be able to start going to tournaments again, and I want to build something that is super travel-friendly. Like, I have just kind of this weird focus on making a very travel-friendly army, and I think I can do it with Slaves of Darkness, even if I'm not necessarily gunning for a top table. Uh, getting it off, you know, out and around tables will be the hobby plan, and so I just started pulling bits and, and seeing what all I got access to. You want the poly pocket of Age of Sigmar? Pretty much, yeah. I just want to be able to, like, take take my one little box uh, and pop out my 2,000-point army, uh, and like I said, I'll play games fast, and if I win, awesome. If not, it's more time to drink, so... That Lord on Karkadrak is so cool, too. It is a gorgeous yeah. model. And don't let he's his stats He's cool looking you. and he's strong. Yeah, he is. No, he's, he's good, legit. dude. I, who the fuck would look at those stats and go, yeah, he sucks. No, he's good. Yep, he's, uh, <laughs> he's very solid. 
Um, but yeah, so that's been the bulk of mine is just kind of like looking at bits and planning out conversions and stuff like that. Um, trying to find some time to sit down and do some hobby and when I get the opportunity. Well, that sounds good. Nice. Uh, I myself have been jumping into obviously 40 K quite a bit. <laughs> so I'm painting, repainting my Necron army that I was probably one of the original armies that I painted fully to completion and ran in the tournament. And that was four years ago. And I feel like my skills have improved since then. So I'm re-going over everything. And I got some, obviously some new items been added with all the new releases. But uh, yeah, that's been fantastic. I'm still looking at my daughter's game a little bit, especially with the new book now. And I'm kind of ordering pieces here and there because yeah, they got some changes. And I don't know, maybe just run uh, Cities of Sigmar now too, since they got their own little city. Yep, they've got their own sub-city. Uh... Also, uh, I don't know, I just found this on Twitter. Uh, I don't follow this guy I'm about to, but uh, if you guys want to see a really cool Seraphon army, uh, find this dude named Brad Glover on Twitter. Uh, it's pretty what are you doing looking up Seraphon armies? Uh, it's I a just, little bonfire. Uh, I'm on Twitter uh, while we do this constantly because it's just something to look at and see things that spark my interest. We all have ADHD. It's fine. Pretty much. I posted a picture of it in our <laughs> Facebook chat if you guys want to look at it. Cool. That is cool. Uh, I also ordered a Mega Gargant. Nice. So hopefully it'll come in this week. And on the next podcast, we can do a raffle. And that's just basically to all our followers and everyone that's been along the way. So yeah, if you want to get a chance on that, make sure you follow us on Podbean because those are the names I'll be drawing it from. It's just basically just appreciation from us to you guys for sticking around for all all these Uh, A Merry Christmas from the cast and crew of party at the all points right what do we call them partiers as uh, we have not we've not determined the party uh, goers yeah. the tappers I don't know. <laughs> the tappers <laughs> I'm, I'm voting for the tappers the tappers yeah. oh, well, thanks to all you tappers out there <laughs> it'll work uh, that's pretty on. funny the three people that listen. Our downloads are just plummeting right now. Yeah, yeah, they went down to <laughs> negative. Somebody's returning it. I don't know. We we talked <laughs> about we talked about underworlds that didn't drop them off. So we're... Yeah, somehow, That's true. Yep. <laughs> we tried to sink it with Iden and Deepkin. So yeah, we we made a whole episode of I, out of Iden and Deepkin for you guys. Which the fact that you listen to that's amazing to me. So yeah, it's like a rat that just won't drown. You know, <laughs> you just keep holding it under, and it's still struggling. <laughs> Turns out they can kick the crap out of chaos. So. Yeah, I'm yeah. Good at it. but uh, we'll jump into some. Uh, we got some listener questions as we do once in a while. Uh, from one of our tappers, David Blanchard Wright, uh, he states campaign books have never been particularly successful as at introducing new competitive rules in fantasy the way they were in 40k, they were more for the fun and novelty that truly competitive the Slayer holds army in Storm of Chaos, for example, an elite melee army with no saves do you think aos is doing a better job of introducing campaigns as a source of competitive rules and should they i for one don't particularly like the idea of being bound to another 50 dollars hardcover book for the page of my rules but unfortunately that last part it's a business so they're gonna do it every single time they can uh yeah yeah you can just bank on that that's one thing you can bet on is taxes death and new campaign books that you need to get and porn yep that's true. true yes thank um, god 
I will say uh, in that in that regard, I I also find book bloat to be a concern. Uh, yeah. I I like a lot of games where it's not that I mind the multiple sources. I wish that Games Workshop would. I, at the end of every year, put together like a compendium style book with, you know, the rule sources. It doesn't have to have all the lore and art and stuff like that, just so that I don't have to carry four or five. Like, I, this is harkens back to playing 40K, um, but I played War Convocation at one point in Warhammer 40K, and I literally had to carry around like seven publications to play that. And, like, yeah, part of it was like White Dwarf articles and stuff, but it can yeah. be a little frustrating. Um, that said, seventh was extreme. Also, yeah. let's just put that out there. Seventh was got carried away and was an extreme case of book bloat, like worse than ever. Um, but at the same time, I think that I, I do hope that Games Workshop continues to put at least interesting rules in the campaign books because it's, you know, it's one thing I'm going to buy them no matter what. A lot of us probably are because we enjoy this part of the hobby and we're just kind of collecting as a part of it. But yeah, it is nice. We're content to, creators. Yeah, that's also true. Um, I actually have to spend uh, money now to to participate in talking to our I do. You know, I pulled my strings so that I could uh, not sound like a complete fool for this show. Wait until I start that OnlyFans, and then we'll pay for everything. Don't worry. (laughs) Our OnlyFans (laughs) will be people paying us not to post nudes. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Not him again. Oh, God. I, I do... I think that it's fun and obviously like we're in a really weird COVID world. And I know Jeff has some thoughts on this too in this regard, but I'll finish mine quickly. Um, It is nice to see things get shaken up in a world. That's not just new army books. Like it's fun to see some things like, I I don't know if we want to talk about it now or a little bit later, but there's a list uh, for Stormcast that is maybe a little gimmicky, but is very interesting. And it's cool if you're a Stormcast player to get some new, you know, some new blood before you have to wait until you get a new army book. So, and they needed it. Um, or I, Death. yeah, I yeah. Deepkin who aren't a bad book per se. We talked about it, right? They have some really viable builds, but they got some new cool stuff, right? So they don't have to the wait for a whole book. Um, yeah. you know, they don't have to wait for a whole new book to get some, some new, uh, a breath of life into what they're doing. Yeah. In case you're okay. not ruffling, that's Jeff's beard touching the microphone. <laughs> yes. My hobo beard is is strong in the force. Um, okay, well, that's very well said, Mr. Price. Um, I think it's important to point out that these campaign books are relatively new in the manifestation that we're seeing them. The first one that I can think of that had this kind of shape where it included rules that you were intended to use, and some of them were actually competitive, was the Vigilus campaign for 40K. And then it evolved pretty rapidly as kind of like a little lab rat scenario and turned into uh, the Psychic Awakening set. And I don't recall a AOS campaign book like this that we've got here prior to this one. There's Wrath of the Everchosen that did come out, um, which has uh, like the uh, uh, Legion of Chaos Ascendant which is a pretty solid and interesting rules. Um, just, but that's the only other one we've really gotten out of. And right. But this is going to be a multi, this is, this is a multi volume it. set. Yeah. That's going to do just like psychic awakening did. Right. How you know? So, I, I mean, I think we're in, Jeff. we're in uncharted territory here. <laughs> so I think, first of all, I love these things. Everybody's talking about book bloat. Um, I couldn't care less 
about Brookload. I mean, like, this is fun. This mixes things up. It, it's an opportunity for them to do corrections. And I remember back in the day, you know, people with bits that they didn't put out enough stuff. Yeah. And now and that they I put about, out stuff, now they bits that there's too much stuff. So I just can't well, talk. I, just I, I, no, I want to point out, like, I don't think the problem with book bloat is that people don't want to buy the books. My biggest issue, right, is like when you're going to a tournament, um, it, it can be a bit of a pain in the ass to have to carry around all the books. And it depends on what yeah. your opponent is, right? Like the other option is you can go fully digital, right? Like I purchased this book on my app on my, for now, let's not get into Games Workshop's digital model for 40K. Yeah. <laughs> eat the money out of, because they don't want to pay Apple. Um which, I mean, fuck, it's Apple, so, you know, who's the real bad guy there? Yeah, um, who can blame him? But uh, regardless, I, I think that's more what people are concerned about with the book bloat is not necessarily, like, oh, God, I have to buy a new book. It's like when you're trying to when you're trying to play at the tournament, right, and you got to you gotta whip out your, your – and Age of Sigmar, it's really not that bad because right now you probably have two books they're using. Yeah. Um, I mean – so. I don't know. Like to me, I, I don't have a problem with it. I think it's fun. It moves the story along because, you know, people like to see a little bit of progression for I remember for the longest time, people were whining that, you know, the 41st millennium was still the 41st millennium for 10 oh, yeah. years from a story standpoint. <laughs> you know? I don't think there's anything. I don't think it's anything but super exciting. I, yeah, I, I mean, and. Part. I, that's what I really focused on almost on this was kind of getting an idea of what they're doing with the lore here. Um, so I think they're cool. They bring in some cool rules and there's going to be a lot of discussion about that. Holy shit. And, uh, you know, it's fun. And Ideneth is a great example. They took a book that had completely stagnated to, you know, literally murky water. <laughs> I think it's and, important uh, to know that uh, the longest scarf ever made was 54.29 kilometers. It was dated well, by volunteers and friends and supporters of Tai Hafan, the children's hospice in Wales. See, that's that's miraculous. <laughs> I'm uh, I feel like uh, related to the question, I, I jumped all over this. Any new content, man, that's it's it's awesome. That Sons of Bahamut was a big letdown for me, yeah. Um, <laughs> and we're giving one away. Tune in next episode. Hey, yeah, you want the I, shittiest thing ever? Here you go, buddy. Merry Christmas. That's not the <laughs> shittiest thing ever. People are doing stuff not. with it. The model. Oh, it's cool problem. looking. It's just a disappointment. That's all. Hey, that's kind of your life story, isn't it? Yeah. Um. I, I, no, no, no. I'm not cool looking. <laughs> uh, okay, next. I one. am a disappointment, <laughs> but I'm also not cool looking. So I'm just <laughs> fucked, man. I'm They're more just statements. But if you put it on the page, we're going to talk about it. Uh, Paul. Prime mentions I really like all the rules added to this. This is a lot more like Psychic Awakening than past fantasy campaign books. Yeah. I I am going to push one thing out. Uh, this is my small bit of nerd pushback here. Uh, the Cult of Solnesh in the Storm of Chaos book was an exceptionally competitive list. Um, it was uh, pretty bonkers. Um, there was a banner that let you retreat or fall like a flee from a charge and still charge the next turn which you normally couldn't do um so i i do think that's the my one pushback there but that is such a minute and uh irrelevant point um i just felt the need to talk about one of my favorite army lists from Storm of Chaos. <laughs> i remember your slanesh list it was gross yep i wish Sexy you would have kept playing it i don't understand uh and then robin miller 
a friend of ours up in Prince George. Uh, Psycho Wiggity and 40K seems to be a money grab hold over till the ninth edition books. The Marine one is already out of date in less than a year. With third edition AOS around the corner, isn't this the same thing? So it all depends on, I think the, the really big point here is how big is the change in third edition? So Age of Sigmar obviously has followed a bit of a different development cycle than 40K has. Uh, I'm not the person to talk about 40K relevancy because I haven't really been in plugged in for quite some time but i think that ultimately right like if this comes out and daughters don't have an updated book for another nine months you you will probably be more appreciative than of this than you would um and and to be clear like games workshop is a company they're publicly traded they're gonna make money there's we can argue about that all day it's irrelevant it doesn't really matter to the scope of the conversation i think we have to see what third edition brings right does third edition bring a situation like say end times did for fantasy where they came out with all these books and you bought them and then all of a sudden they're like hey you can't fucking use these if that's the case fucking thanks game's over like if that's the case be mad be upset be you know i i got no problem with it right but if it comes out and this is still really usable content I I don't think it's necessarily a, a cardinal sin, in the and it will be for a while, right? Even in 40k standards, I think so. The books are rolling out not that fast yep. as people thought, and your rules right. are still relevant, right? And then for Age of Sigmar, we've seen actually a slower release, uh, unbelievably, for a lot of factions. Like Ideneth Deepkin have been sitting on this book forever. Daughters of Cain have been sitting on their book for quite a long time. Yeah, um, this know, like these freshens them up and delays their need for a new. Uh, battle time and the nice thing about it too is all the lore the narrative is tied into what's going on with these rule changes too which is really cool Mm -hmm. um and ultimately i it's probably this is a bigger picture conversation it's a luxury hobby right like if it's something you don't want to spend money on don't you don't have to buy the book right there's nothing in here that's going to preclude you Uh, you guys listening to us so you're probably interested in competitive stuff because we talk about that yeah Um, but there's nothing that uh, <laughs> there's nothing here that like if you don't have access to for the vast majority of the armies that are mentioned in it, because I'm going to get on a big bitch fest about Cities of Sigmar rules writing here in a minute in the book anyway. Um, there's some stuff that, you know, outside of a very specific few things, you'll probably be all right if you skip. Uh, so if it's if it's that if you don't want to buy it, just wait until somebody who's better than us reviews it and tells you the good stuff you need to know out of it. Um, and then we'll parrot what they said and pretend like we came up with it because that's what content creation is all about. Yeah. Um, First. Just stealing. And then um, Dane, friend of the show, always around. We love your listens. Uh, one of the original patappers. <laughs> Why all the love for the deep kin and none for the slaves to darkness or Heed Knights of Slanesh? Uh So I really like Slaves of, to Darkness. Uh, the book's not necessarily i think a stellar book the counterpoint is there's a lot of interesting things you can do with it and you can play around with um but i think ultimately we just we had some questions about ideneth that was something that was fun to talk about and as we get the opportunity i think we're going to spend more time doing these book dives because they're fun for all three of us as well we like to mm-hmm. to dive into them as much as i bitched about ideneth i still had a really good time recording it uh at some point we'll do slanesh and we'll do slaves of darkness and we'll keep doing those so well, and then, uh, I mean, last... also, oh. Ideneth was... Oh, sorry. No, no. Go ahead. No, no, please. All right. Ideneth was part of this elf campaign, so it had a degree of relevance. Now, um, <laughs> Not it, just so, 
Huh? <laughs> it's changed. Yeah, up a little I mean bit the commentary. Yeah, the commentary on the list is now somewhat invalidated because of the new entries here. But it also went straight to our point in that we were critical of the book because of its lack of variety, and this book directly attacked that problem. And now you have choices that are at least relevant. Shark nets. Yeah, yeah, the sharks. So good. So, I mean, like, now you've got something you can do, and um, that's what we wanted. And a big takeaway from our last discussion on Ideneth was that they needed to mix it up, and they have. So they, you know, incidentally did what we wanted. Um, Slaves to Darkness will get their time. They're clearly part of this campaign. Um, There's a little bit of something in here for them, but uh, it seems definitely like the... The um, daughters of Cain are the main focus, but uh, okay. the last question here is: uh, What is your favorite way to tie a, a scarf? I like. I, um, I think half Windsor. Look at us. We're Windsor. all jumping. We're jumping all over each other to answer this amazing question. Um, mine's probably just in a noose, um, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just do a half Windsor like a tie. Ascot all the way. <laughs> all right uh we'll jump off to uh, a commercial break and a segment of are you aos curious with mr val heffelfinger of the intro to our podcast we'll be right oh my back. hey this is joe crier competitive aos coach of titan wargaming and you're listening to party at the all points To are you AOS curious? With with me today is a special guest. You may recognize his voice. I'm trying to catch him while he's still trying to eat some food, which makes it more authentic. Uh, he may recognize him on every episode of our podcast, Mr. Val Heffelfinger, the one and only. Listen to that beautiful, gorgeous voice. Does our intro for other podcasts? Uh, somewhat a long-term friend. Shit, we've been friends for about maybe three years or so. Something like that. The time is very compressed in Warhammer years. So yeah. we could have, we might know, we might have known each other for six weeks. It might have been six years. Who knows? Uh, also, All I know the, is that oh. we were, we were instantly kindred spirits. <laughs> you have a, you have a, you have a, a great aura about you, sir. We sense the Canadianness and just bond. Right. Actually, I think we've got like super hammered in the bar in Vegas. Uh, probably. I don't know. Shots until like four in the morning or something like that. Uh, yeah, Who knows? It was a good time. You were with Paul time. Murphy, I think. That's I think that's how it all started. Did you come to the Nugget? Yeah, I think so. Okay, I think that's where we ended up. We were yeah, there with so. the uh, lead designer for Underworlds as well. You so you went to the bar? You went to yeah. the bar like the V bar with the with the dance rave in the back? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> people were disappearing into the back to check it out. Oh wow! All right, cool. It was like it was far too cool of an evening for any Warhammer event to have any had anything to do with. But it was. Awesome. Oh, that's basically that's it. We roll some dice during the day, and then we go back and party and have a Heck good yeah. time. But you know? uh, yeah, Val is also one of the main members now of the Honest Wargamer. He's I, pretty much wedged we have himself. Our, we have a we have a spinoff. We have a spinoff show. 
We have a spinoff, the occasional Sundays. We're, we're, <laughs> it's true. I will pop in on the, I pop in when I can. I just, I think both you and I, we love Rob. Um, yeah. So I'm there for him. He's just an to easy shoot guy the poop to go whenever. On. Shoot the poop whenever. And uh, yeah, that's the 40K adjacent show, which has become what P- Peter, the Falcon Colossimo, and I do pretty much since the pandemic started and uh, tournaments stopped. Well, when Pete can get up, because there's a two hour difference between you and Pete. He's, he's, uh, he pretty much doesn't miss it, considering he's up at 5 a.m. his time yeah. to record it. He's He basically gets every episode. But. And then you guys also have your own show with the 40K Stat Center on FLG Network. The Frontline Gaming Network, yeah. yeah. yeah when when it when it's happening, yes. Uh, it's a pretty cool show. We enjoy ourselves. But anyways, that was just the introductions frame of those. No Val, and if you don't know Val, then you're not listening to podcasts. I get around. <laughs> <laughs> forge the narrative Very good. yeah been, been around it's been nice it's been nice yeah, it's that beautiful voice man everyone wants it on their show <clears throat> i tell you and you have it every episode oh every morning it's party fantastic what did i say the first time party at all the points yeah, party at all the points yes because you have no <laughs> understanding of the lower age of sigmar which is totally <laughs> understandable i'm so proud of myself i'm like dude i nailed it you guys have a sick intro and you're like that's not at all <laughs> hmm. but you are exclusively for the most part a 40k player yeah yeah but like exclusively um in all respects like it's it's pretty much it's like 40k rapidly and like warhammer when i came back to it about five years ago now uh it just it replaced all of my everything like so it's the media i consume it's my social circle it's the thing I think about when I'm just sitting around on the on the John. <laughs> like it's you know it, it's just it's it's hilarious how all encompassing. They call it the hobby, but they could call it the lifestyle. Oh, it's for I, sure the lifestyle, and that's the bonding think, process of the tournaments too, right? Yeah. Well, I guess the swingers use the, the term the lifestyle, but you know, hey. I'm uh, looking at your couch. That's a couch that <laughs> swingers use. I usually have it blurred out, but you, you surprised me with the Zoom call. <laughs> Look at the drapes yeah. are closed. You got some nice fancy art. Drapes. I'm sure it's West. like a black and white of like some nude people on the wall. I can't yeah. see it. Like a nice 1970s <laughs> tasteful nude. Yeah. <laughs> Was that saran wrap on the couch too? Yeah, you're prepped. Oh, no, no. It's scotch guarded, buddy. Come on. <laughs> but, I mean, you you do a lot of sh- stuff with Rob. It's got to come up once in a while. Have yeah. you ever actually thought about the Age of Sigmar world? Oh, have I heard the good news about Age of Sigmar? Um, yeah, I mean, not necessarily the world. Um, so I came back, like I said, I came back in the game about five years ago. My first game, my first games workshop game was Warhammer Fantasy Battles. I think it was 7th edition. What was Bretonians v. Lizardmen? That was 5th, I want to believe. 5th edition? That, okay, that might be, yeah. make more sense. Um, anyway, so yeah, that was, that was what I played. I played empire and then, um, subsequently after that got into 40 K and then stopped, uh, cause I repressed my deep passions for miniature tabletop warfare. And, uh, so yeah, when I came back, AOS, um, was just getting off the ground, <laughs> uh, but the, the old world had been blown up and it was a comedy of errors that I kind of watched from afar the launch of AOS and just the nerd rage that ensued. So that's kind of like the, my first impression of AOS was that had I come back to tabletop gaming, you know, two years later, 
um, you know, AOS may have been the better game. I may have wound up playing AOS instead. Well, who knew that the AOS now is the rule set that 40K is pretty much used to advance yes. the ninth edition. Yeah, well, I mean, eighth. Yeah, it was. It was clearly clearly shared a lot of similar concepts. I like where they diverged. I would say ninth more now, just because of the whole objective, is the whole standard of the game now. Well, Rob will go on forever about how they're just the War Machine missions in AOS, right? Is it War Machine? They they like cut pasted, they cut pasted a tournament pack from. I, I want to one one of them anyway. It was the um, what's the big? It's it's the South something GT. It's the one that Rob accidentally won once oh there was uh, a depticon that's not south no it's, uh, in, it's in the uk no it's in the oh, uk okay um, anyway it's the the organizers of that were guys who i think if i remember the story were some of the first guys to try and apply points to uh aos and they were running tournaments and it was big um a south coast gt i want to say maybe okay. anyway and um and those guys were then sort of I think tapped on the shoulder when when GW was looking to sort of workshop the game and you know put it back together again so that people would actually be into it and play it. In the um, same way that they borrowed kind of Mike Brandt and stuff for Ninth Edition. Yeah, I, and I mean I don't I wouldn't say that I'm particularly familiar with with how AOS works, but yeah, the objective heavy focus I think isn't necessarily an AOS specific thing. I think that is a uh competitive tabletop game thing that's become a bit of a trope i think that's also why you know in the branch style nova mission you, you see a lot of like um, um so for those aos fans out there nova is a large warhammer gt on the east coast uh, nova the itc las vegas open those guys would be sort of bi-coastal rivals and they both use different tournament packs up until ninth edition and 40k and uh in eighth edition, the ITC sort of copied the, or, or took on a lot of the concepts from Mike Brandt's pack, except they included um, in the primary killing stuff. Whereas uh, in Brandt's primary, it's all about board control, objective control. And I think that's probably where the comparison to AOS is, where there's the, the primary focus is can you hold on to the objectives? The difference is, of course, there is no, um, there is no uh, role for priority or whatever. Uh, yeah, right. And we roll for priority on every turn of the game, which is yeah. just super. It's something to wrap your head around for sure. It's a big it's a, difference. It's, it's a super interesting mechanic. Um, again, there's something strange about GW game design where they just don't want to entertain this I go, you go, uh, sort of like a alternating activations concept. I don't know what it is. Maybe it was like too predictable. Uh, I don't know. They just so like so the turn priority is a way to do that. Um, uh, there is alternate activations in the uh, apocalypse rule set for 40k. Oh, okay. So you're talking more of like affinity style. Uh, well, yeah, where it's it, yeah, where you where you take turns activating units. Although they do it on a detachment basis in apocalypse, which I thought was quite clever. So a group of unit, you activate a group of units. And, and go one at yeah same as infinity yeah there you, you go know that so system. anyway what are we talking about again uh age of sigmar i guess nice typically nice. i don't know it's nice. a honestly these are just a bs session with a fellow player no bullshit this is <laughs> this is real this is the realness 
I'm sure we'll start getting into ancient political history and whatnot at some point. Could do, could do. Uh, And did you know that one of the biggest differences with Age of Sigmar 2 is it's one of the few tournament systems that GW actually kind of has controlled. Like their mission packs are actually used, which is uh, different from 40k. And that's interesting. Was it, now what drives that? Was it just that they were good? Or was like, like, because they... Because the AOS community is interesting to me because I, I do wonder like what portion of it is is comprised of, you know, fantasy, uh, fantasy battle neckbeards and what portion of it are just guys sort of fresh to AOS period, like to that sort of fantasy version rather than 40K or whatever. Does that make any sense? Like when they burned it to the ground, did the fantasy battles guys stick around or is it just like a new player base? I think they probably picked up a lot of new player base. With yeah. the ease of entry. And then as the game has evolved, they've just kept layering more and more yeah. strategy to it. And price and point. Now, yeah. Sorry, price point? What? No, I just I remember when it first dropped, like you can get, I think the Savage Orc Boys box is 20 orcs for the same that you get, you know, 10 for in 40K. Yeah. Like, so I feel like they actually literally dropped the price point on it to, to entice people. I don't know if that's still the case. And then most of the neckbeards just continued playing fantasy with ninth edition where they uh, developed their own age? rule set yeah they developed yeah. their own rule set and they still play that and yeah, then I, heard, I heard fifth edition is like kicking hard now like in australia and stuff but that's oh really they just went back to they yeah. went back to fifth <laughs> there are so many amendments i can only choose one like the down under crew i think is for another podcast i think they might change their content to fifth edition I'll tell you, man, when I saw that uh, Forge World looks like they're going to be uh, rebooting Fantasy Battles, which is right. lol, <laughs> funny to me. Um, uh, I, I was in, color me intrigued. There's some, some deep, deep nostalgia for it for me. Um, so I was definitely I was definitely square base curious at that exact moment. Mm. We only deal with round holes on this show. Round holes, no square pegs. No square pegs it. in those round holes. Have, have you ever actually played a game of Age of Sigmar? Uh, it's a big no. My biggest exposure to Age of Sigmar would have been when Tabletop Tactics, I think they did two AOS battle reports at the mm-hmm. end of 7th edition 40K. And that's it. That would be my entire, <laughs> be my entire one. Who does, good, who does good AOS battle report? Who's the, who's the Lawrence Baker of Age of Sigmar? Does it exist? <sighs> I haven't really found it. <laughs> really? Uh, to actually sit there and enjoy, it's tough, right? Because you got mini, mini wargaming is consistently probably the best produced. Mm. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say what they bring to the table is a good representation of what you see in tournaments. Yeah. And especially following the rules. But yeah. that, that's always been their kind of fault. But they have more fun with it. And that's they present an entertaining situation. They, they, they were probably like mad when they added points to the game. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then they, Brian Pullen, and then they just did an Age of Sigmar game a couple weeks yeah. ago for Halloween. Yeah. So, which was uh, all right. It, the AOS I mean, that, that, that was that. That's why Rob basically stepped up to come out with the whole super series and everything, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, to good develop point. A, to develop a format that's actually really good and entertaining on a tournament. System. Well, as a for as a forty k centric guy, I'm super pumped to see him also bring that to forty k, because I think I think that's a brilliant uh, way to set up um, a series of games. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. Uh, really excited to see uh, the pandemic uh, a, a bit abate, abate, something like that. Um, and, uh, and for Rob to be able to do what he's really been itching to do for all these years. Like this is sort of the, uh, he got one, he got one in and then he started the second, second yeah. one and then everything got shut down. So it's uh, as the dude once said, it's a bummer, man. It's a yeah, bummer. It's, it's, it's a huge bummer. And now everyone plays on TTS, which I just can't do. <laughs> I haven't tried. I'm I'm so pumped for the 40k custom snapper that I'm tempted to play on TTS. But have you looked in uh, factions or anything for Age of Sigmar? Like, could you uh, see yourself aligned with something? So I'm a good guys guy. I don't know why. I I have with the but exception there's nothing of, in that in 40k though. Well, no, like um, actually, you know what? I say that I was gonna say like I only I only relate to humans. Um, because like I'm thinking like I really have loved uh, the Total War Warhammer game, um, but in that I've only played as Empire and as Bretonia. And I'd say though the the army that I think about every single time I see a painted one come up on a on a used forum, Caradron Overlords, Fau Shao. The floating steampunk dwarves are full wow. AF and fits along with your Tau. Place no out. idea. No idea. Also, I fully, full, full, uh, full disclosure. I hate, I hate playing the Tau. Oh. They've been a cursed, <laughs> cursed hunk of. Do they hate you me. or do you hate, hate them? It's, it's, it's symbiotic. <laughs> They're going up on eBay. I have, I've had them packed up for a long time. I just, I'm loath to let them go. But I'll probably, yeah, the the tower, the tower getting sold one way or the other. Yeah, I painted up a tower army just because I needed a break in painting style. Yet yeah. I've never brought them to the table. They just sit yeah. in my display cabinet. <laughs> they're they're a guy, they're an army that could really use um, uh, someone who has no um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, no darlings in the rules for them. So like has they they have to retain the non melee thing, but they need they need someone who just sit down and look at them, and be like, all right, these models look cool. What cool shit can we make them do? and just start from scratch because like they're they've, they've always been sort of pigeonholed into an unfun unfun play experience and i think the exception of a few edge case lists that have ever existed for them that's for both 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 sides of the equation um the, the pilot and the uh, the the victim as it were so anyway getting back to aos caradron overlords like because aos is something i don't know anything about um, I literally would be picking up based on what I think is cool, and those it, which which is always a fantastic move to make any game system, honestly. Um, yeah, it, but like when I when I came, I poked my head over. I can't remember what era it was, but I asked I asked Robin like, "Hey, these character overlords, they any good?" And he's like, "Shit, mate." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, so I guess that's changed. Why are they good?" Uh, because the meta is pretty much a shooting meta now. They got their points oh. dropped in Leia's book, so they are able to field a lot more. And right. a lot of armies in Age of Sigmar can't deal by losing their support pieces. Oh, because you can punk characters using yeah. the OS, right? Yeah. yeah, it's only like a minus one to hit modifier. That's it. And that yeah. really doesn't do much against when you have mass shots. Uh, yes, my daughter, Cayenne, what would you like? Hi, Cayenne. I can't help you right now. I'm doing an interview with this, this lovely gentleman. Hi. His name is Val. I know he looks like a moose. It's part of his charm. Yeah. <laughs> All right, give me five. 
Give me five minutes. <laughs> I'm not cutting any of this. This is real. Well, that was adorable anyway. Oh yeah, she's a cutie. She pretty I can't cutie. she was she was behind your backdrop, so I couldn't actually see her. Uh, just uh she was a virtual background. This is all just awesome media that everyone wants. There we go. Oh wow, that's much less exciting. Um Oh, hello. Yeah. So yeah, they do. Uh, they're fantastic for, for everything that's going on, and they're winning consistently. They're always in the top three right now. But the aesthetic is a lot of appeal, right? The whole steampunk dwarves is pretty fantastic. Um, yeah, no, they're 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 a cool range. Um, who else? Um, I mean, the fire uh, uh, fire slayers or whatever, the naked uh, yeah. slayer dwarves, super cool dudes um and then of course um one wouldn't I, I would be remiss not to at least consider the oryx the iron jaws or the savage uh iron jaws are the cool guys right like the brutes and yeah. the that's what there's not a the lot ar- the ard boys right the ard boys um there's not a lot to that range unfortunately no but you can intermix them together as well yeah so they um, do have the, the big wog gloom spike gl- gets are cool as heck yeah, I, uh, I love those guys. Um, you're painting a lot of models. So as a orc player, you understand that you're sitting down and painting like 60 of one guy. There's there's something that so like for me, I I don't like the so I do I like I'm in a spot where you know I commission paint a lot of things, so I'm pretty fortunate in that respect. But I do 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 I do, do, do. do some of my own stuff. But generally speaking, it's limited to basing, and like the most um chafiest of chaff and of a chaff model so like i'll paint my drones for tau and my grots for orc for orcs um and so i've got a really good system for painting uh stuff like long before contrast was cool i painted with washes on uh on uh, appreciated base coats so you know uh i'm pretty uh groundbreaking in that regard yeah it turns out they were making contrast paints before contrast was done too yeah yeah. Mixing so PVA just, glue it, and stuff with your paint. It's just a wash, guys. Just a wash. Yeah. Is that what it is? Is is that what it is? They've added a like. Yeah, sort of... there's there's a couple guys if you look on the internet that were using that recipe before it even went big. Oh, just but... reverse engineering it. Yeah. Or using it before it actually hit the market. Oh. Like they are using that version of it anyways, but that's uh, tinfoil hat time. When oh yeah. Start going down that path. Well, hey, whatever they can do um, to make. Uh, painting stuff more accessible and easier like imagine if you were a kid and you know you could make a model look pretty good without Tamale having... paints back in the day oh man like <laughs> you're painting for three hours you start seeing like shadows oh yeah it. getting stoned my sister used to make fun of, make fun of me she used to say like I'd, I'd, she'd come in and my pupils would be the size of pie pie plates but like uh she said that she always makes fun of me she says that i was in it i was in it for the super glue not the uh not the miniatures, which I think is a bit harsh. I don't think I was, I don't think I was huffing the glue. Um, I do remember the first model I ever, ever bought myself and had was the USS New Jersey, an American ah. battleship. Oh, those were and horrible models to do too. Those, it's a Ravel model, I'm sure. And, uh, and I was eight years old or so, and I was in New York City with my parents. And it was, this is like Gotham, New York. So this is when Times Square was all like peep shows and porn stores and a hardware store, apparently. And I went in 
And my dad's like, okay, go get yourself some model glue. I went, I went. I what you're saying yourself glue. in this son, in this store here, son, I got to go with this next one across the street <laughs> yeah. for a bit. Here's a bag of cheesies. Entertain yourself. The, the point of telling you the story of really gross old Times Square is that I got carded. And because they, they wouldn't sell model glue to you if you were like under 12 or some <laughs> shit. Cause like, so you couldn't, you couldn't buy markers and you couldn't buy uh, model glue because people were huffing them. So good times. Yep. So yeah, I, need, I, I needed I needed a shoulder tap to get to get model glue. Yeah, in my small town that I grew up in, they wouldn't sell us any piping or anything because we kept making potato guns. <laughs> 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 so they wouldn't sell any piping or plumbing or anything to anyone under the age of eighteen. It's either a potato gun or a gigantic bong or probably both. Yeah, probably both. I mean, you gotta get stoned before you start getting creative, anyways, right? Right, right, right. As you do, as you gets do. the juices going. Mm-hmm. But yeah, those are, uh, I mean, honestly, you just got to get some games in, but well, the with community's the there. Well, it's in Toronto too, especially. I know there's yeah. lots of lots of guys out here, age of six, Mar, and, and uh, one of the local shop owners, uh, a guy named Lionel, uh, who runs X Planet out in Mississauga, shout out. Um, he's always into me um, to play AOS. As a matter of fact, I uh, came in last at one of his RTTs. And he felt sorry for me, so <laughs> you get last in every party. So he, so he gave me this. <laughs> oh so yeah, I, yeah. So there I have it. Right. It's on the shelf. This is still current, correct? This is still the current one. Yeah, yeah. Those rooms so, are still work. So you know, I this is the first time I've done this. There's some lore in there. Some lore. So yeah, t- like the lore just seems kind of silly. You might have heard me say that in places. It's Am I wrong? Yeah. Yeah, and now with their whole, because they're basically doing a psychic awakening for Age of Sigmar called the Broken Realms. Yes, I saw that. And it's out this week. And from what I've been hearing, is the lore is fantastic. Like it really, really moves things along, and they've actually like destroyed like a faction. A faction loses out pretty hard. Ooh. So I, I, they, they've gotten a lot better. Where I feel 40k is actually getting pretty stagnant. Well, I'm hopeful in 40k that the because the all the, the whole writing crew needs to sink their teeth into something. And from what I understand, they've been holy sugar stack. Look at this war in the grim, glim forge catacombs. Really nice little battle diorama there in the in the AOS book. You know we're an audio based. Uh... Well, I'm sure your 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 listening audience has this book down by rote. They know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah. If they did, then they would be calling us out on all our rules mistakes. So hopefully gotcha. they don't. Um, what about Stormcast Eternals? They look, they're gorgeous. They're your Space Marines. They're your poster yeah. childs. They are currently kind of in a, as a competitive, like I always go from a competitive point because I mean, we are competitive people. So it's always nice that when you purchase an army that you could actually show up to a tournament and right. go down. Yeah. But they are kind of tight listed into one build right now, which is Believe it or not, all range. Yeah. Shoot well, they, like outside my head, they've got they seem to have a bunch of models that look like they shoot stuff. So they sense. have a huge range. Yeah. They are the Space Marines. They are just every edition, they just get more and more to their range. But uh, hey, they everyone need needs love. they need a golden child, whatever. Hey, Space Marines sucked in 40k for years upon years. So yeah, as a Necron player, it was nice to play against a Space Marine player because that was like our one matchup where we were like, yep. We can we can dig into it pretty hard. So, are you pumped for your Necrons? What, yeah, what, what do you think? What, what's your what's your build? 
I got a tournament. So um, uh, our team is kind of meeting up and we're going to do a video cast to all the other teammates because mm-hmm. we don't know when we're going to be able to get, because we usually host a tournament around this time, but that's mm-hmm. not a possibility now with the numbers going up. Right. So there's going to be a few of us going to my buddy's place in Nelson. And nice. so there's going to be Admech. I'm bringing Necron. So there'll be Space Marines. There's Harlequin um, and Nids. So, but like, what do you think is cool for Krons? Are you running like double Catan? Are you running? No, because then once you start running double Catan, you're going to have to get into double detachments. Mm-hmm. And you start losing the CPs. And I think Necron Command, like their their uh, stratagems are pretty potent. Yeah. And the, a lot of the stuff that you want, they got a lot of pre-CP spending already. I think I got four pre-spend already. Okay, yeah. Uh, I'm running a pretty good mix list of a lot of bodies and a lot of different units to be able to get board control. And nice. then obviously that six inch pregame move is a big contributor to that. Obsec everybody party. Yeah. It's yeah. really hard to justify any of the others. Unfortunately, when they give you that, it's a clear winner. So if you're going mono faction orcs right now, it's like death skulls. And like, I'm running in like my mind is using the custom stomping now, which is so rad. And I got to play, I got to play a game of something yesterday, which was friggin' phenomenal. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, there are some factions that just like, there's one that's a go-to and I understand why. And I put in the guy who I played ran that tomb world or whatever the hell it's called. Yeah. Um, the expansion is, but yeah, it's a custom, right? It's custom dynasty to be able to do those. Whereas Marines, (laughs) they are pretty much their factions. You know what I mean? Like they, I feel like that book, they did a better job of making it all kind of like, if you like a particular, then the reason there is, the reason is uh, like their sub chapters. So like their uh, successor chapters are lore based, based upon the parent chapter. Whereas like, that's not necessarily the case with the other, with the other faction, like the, with the other races, like they're not. No, but what I'm saying is like, within it, but there's not like sub factions within the faction, which is what you got with space. Marines. But like with the, like there are two other, there's like three other dynasties that are actually decent, mm-hmm. just not compared to that custom. Gotcha. Yeah. Right. So if you want to show up and do well, you you're taking that six inch pre move and obsec on everything, <laughs> and then double yeah. obsec on your core. Or you gotta have like a pretty specific and well thought out build to do something else. Yeah. And then obviously with tournaments not really moving forward, we're not seeing a whole creative mass to see what's winning out there right now anyway. So Yeah, I think it would be probably pretty interesting. But yeah, I'm bringing a list that can kind of handle everything. Marines is a hard one to gear towards because they are so freaking durable. And then with a couple like Harlequin and Nids, like you got to be able to put out mass shots or else they'll just walk over you too. Super that's, that sounds like fun. So it's just at a friend's house and you're just yep. running a couple. Nice. Yeah, he's uh, he got a really nice place in Nelson. And uh, Matt Bonderchuk, <laughs> who you know, will be running as Harlequins. So. The Bod. The Bods, who's won oh, two shit. tournaments with that list. He's Oh, shit. With Harlequins his, what, are nasty. Oh, with his Harlequins. Yeah. yeah. Harlequins are nasty. I bet you they're very pretty. The Bod's known for his They are brush. extremely pretty. It's not his paintbrush, to be fair. <laughs> it's someone else's paintbrush. Aha! But- but he does have one of the top painters paint, paint his armies. And the same guys that Tabletop Tactics uses. Really? You know the guy that did, uh, you know, their guard with the red berets? Yeah. That's Bods' painter. 
Okay. His, name yeah. is, his name is Bobby with Red Eagle Studios. Red Eagle. Cool. Yeah, I have one guy. He's been my guy putting his kids through college. So, uh, you know, it's hard for me to... It's hard to change. Once you have your painter, it's hard to change up. Like, you feel... Hot dogs. Get your hot dogs. Do you just follow my <laughs> husband everywhere? Lady, he's putting my kids through kids college. Through college. Uh, yes. Uh, so, but uh, yeah. No, life is life is good. I wish I wish there were tournaments again, but what can you do? Right. We grasp anything that we can and run list ideas until we're dead. Play, like my, I came your... to bed late last night and she was like, were you playing video games with your friends? I was like, no, I was just running list ideas. Just <laughs> shifting number around numbers yeah. around an Excel spreadsheet. Battle scribe. Yeah. Yeah. They're updated. But no, hey, Val, appreciate this uh, hobby hangout. Uh, Absolutely. I will be bugging you online once in a while for the Age of Sigmar. And if you ever do get a game in, I'll be getting you back on to hear your thoughts. Heck it's yeah. It's always nice to do follow ups, which I got to oh. do a follow up with Adam, too, actually. I'm pretty damn pot committed to 40K, I'm not going to lie, but uh, we'll, we'll have to see. Maybe, maybe they'll. Uh... Maybe they'll poop the bed and I'll and I'll feel they you know, need to go to AOS. And it's also it's also gaming group, right? Like my pals are all 40k. Like they don't right. don't have any like close AO. I don't have any, you know, uh um pan GW pals who are, you know, into everything. Because like oh. this stuff takes so much like so much mental space just having one system in your head. I can't imagine two fully fledged systems. <laughs> But it's easier to get into too for a guy like myself who doesn't really have players around him. Mm. Like to get other people into the game, Age of Sigmar mm. is easier. Yeah. Which is cool. a go-to. But yeah, man, appreciate your time. Thanks for our intros. Now you got to hear a little bit more about the guy that does it. Yeah, that's me. Party at all the points. <laughs> you are a party at all the points though, seriously. I'm, I'm, I am everywhere. I'm now even on AOS podcast now. <laughs> You always were. Rob is probably the forefront of all Age of Sigmar podcasts. Chatter? Yeah. That's good. It all centers around him. He's digging ninth edition pretty hard right now, but like 40k, but um, Age of Sigmar is his girl. Well, he treats her right. Right? All right, man. Take care. Take care of that new kid that you got, and uh, it was a pleasure talking to you. Always a pleasure. Later, bud. But. Welcome back. Hopefully you stuck around, and if not, you skipped past that and just wanted to jump into the content that we provide and not what <laughs> some 40 k thinks about Age of Sigmar. Yeah, but, what does uh, he know anyway? Uh, not much, it turns out, actually. <laughs> it turns out he knows very little. Uh, he runs a stat center podcast for 40K, but pays no attention to Age of Sigmar. But we'll break them. And account for taste. We'll, we'll break them all. Uh, but just a little public service announcement we should be uh, letting you all know that we will be going into spoilers talking about the narrative we've all somewhat read the book Uh, I'm almost there but I've caught up on everything without need to but uh, so yeah if you don't want to listen to that then I don't know enjoy the podcast thank you Uh, we'll see you next uh, in a couple weeks (laughs) and if you stuck around congrats you made it and now we're going to talk a little bit more about scarfs and what to do with them. My God. <laughs> Did you know that there are different grades of steel? There you go. <laughs> you know I'm a welder, right? Yeah. I, no, I didn't know that. Well, you, you're everything. You're also, you're also a, a pie maker and 
a um, tennis ball fuzzer and let's see what other random tasks the only thing fuzzy about tennis balls is that's just basically what i bring down for my cottage when i trim the hedges <laughs> oh he cuts hair off of the vacuum rollers you know I untie a lot of like string and stuff from the roller, which is just a pain in the ass. That's when the hobby knife really comes out. But anyways, uh, Price, why don't you take us out of this shitstorm? Yeah, uh, so let's dive into actual Broken Realms Marathi. So the I guess to start out discussing the narrative, um, I'll give a really kind of as brief an overview as I can. So Marathi has always sought godhood. That's always been one of her goals. She felt From the like beginning. She felt like she was do it. Uh, and so this book focuses on her attempts first to attain godhood uh, and kind of the information that she has and her skills as a politician because she manages to convince Sigmar to help her um, steal the realm stone Veronite that she needs to do so under the guise of protecting uh, the realm of Azir in the process. They launch a very ill-fated campaign uh, where we learn quite a bit about some of the work the factions have been doing to deal with Stormcast. Uh, so everybody knows when Stormcast die, they go back to Azir and they're reforged. Um, but one of the things we find out is that Chaos has found a way to, with War Shrine, stop that from happening. So some pretty severe story ramifications there. Uh, if that's something they're able to do, it's a great way to prevent uh, Sigmar from getting more Stormcast. Uh, I mean, but, to be fair, Nagash has been kind of been doing that back in the Soul Wars too, right? Yeah. Well, that's the whole reason Nagash is mad about the whole goddamn thing is he feels like those souls are his due um, because he thinks that the agreement is basically that once you die, you belong to Nagash 100% and cool. any failure to do so is your failing of the bargain that he believes is the natural order of things. Right. Um, but so Marathi succeeds in her stealing of the, the realm stone, the Veronite. Um, in the process, she steals a very precious artifact from the Eidneth Deepkin, who are none too happy about it. And the lantern, so, uh, the lantern yep. Yep. to guide the souls from Slanesh. That was Teclis's that Eidneth stole from Teclis. So he, they couldn't be found in the water. Yep. Uh, they, they held it. Um, one of the things that I thought was really interesting, just talking about a quick lore piece here. One of the things I thought was really interesting is I didn't realize that the Ideneth were as a they they do they obviously don't like Teclis, but they're also afraid of Teclis. Yeah. We can see very clearly in this book that they are afraid of Teclis finding them, justifiably. Um, we we can see why that would be the case, but I thought that oh, was yeah. pretty interesting. So he's their little science experiment that got away. Uh, and basically, he wants to eradicate them because of that fact. Yep. So, um, he wants the we, design material back. <laughs> that's proprietary information. He wants to destroy it. Nobody <laughs> else can, can access to it. Uh, Teclis is a voracious protector of his intellectual property, is what we've discovered. Um, he does not deal with China at all. It, no, not a fan. But <laughs> we, um, so we move on. Uh, Marathi successfully siphons off the Varanite. Uh, and then begins her ritual to turn herself into a god, to, uh, to attain true godhood. Uh, in the process, she's attacked by a combination of Ideneth Deepkin and Slanesh, of all things, um, because the well, Slanesh host. She hired a couple of free cities, or one free city to help defend them. Yep. Misthaven, uh, yep. which is a new free city that we've just now been introduced to. Uh, it's a bit of the most Eisley, but what's really cool about it, if you're a Free Cities fan, uh, which of course I am, 
is that it doesn't exist in one place. It's a flotilla city that can break apart and then reform. So it's not actually like one place. It's a it's a moving uh, conglomeration of boats, which I find to be pretty uh, cool. They're the ones that located the uh, the artifact from the Iden at the beginning with the lantern. Yeah. yeah, actually, it was. Uh, it's her. Uh, what are they? The the new war band out of. No, she uses them to get it, but to does okay. Xanth Archai, is that who did it? Yeah, yeah. But to um, find out where it was, yeah, it was the the pirates. Yeah, and then she uses her Xanth Archai, who are also uh, abroad and active in uh, big time all through um, the eight points, who are basically her information network. There's a ton of lore in this book, guys. We're we're not going to yeah. hit every single point. I highly encourage you if you like Age of Sigmar lore at all to. Yeah, to dive into this. This is one of the if most you fun like reads. drama. If you like drama, this is a fun read, man. Yeah. It's infuriating. I, yeah, I had a lot of fun reading this one. It, it was a, just one of the most fun times I've had in quite a while, just sitting down and reading an Age of Sigmar book. So if you yeah. like Age of Sigmar lore, if you you know you like fantasy stuff, it's a really good read just from that standpoint. So, um, <clears throat> but yeah, so Marathi begins her transformation, um, and. I have to ask a question here. So if you've read this, you know that the there's one soul. She consumes ancient elven souls of like ancient elven kings and things like that to ascend to godhood. And she reaches a point uh, where there's one soul that she's aware of, and it causes her to falter for just a moment. Um, that soul is Anarian, the first uh, king of the elves. Um, <laughs> and I have to know. How good was Anarian's dick game? Because Marathi has been fucking up because of Anarian from the very beginning. So, He's a bad son of a bitch, man. Uh, Anarian <laughs> must have just been fucking packing and slinging it. Because uh, he has ruined Marathi's concentration time in and time out. Anarian's dick is to Marathi what Skaven are to Nagash. Um, unfucking believable. Uh, you know, you, you oh, gotta, I know what Skaven dick looks like. I don't know what scaven penises look like. I'm rat dicks are that's a whole different conversation. Small and furry. Podcast. Um, but uh, so she does ascend to godhood, but in fact her essence is split in two. Um, so big monster Marathi that everybody knows with her Oops. wings and her snake body becomes one part of her. It basically gets severed from her person. Um, but it acts as a mirror. So it does everything that she, it's under her control and is almost like a monstrous aspect of her, her ascension. Um, Two bodies. Yeah. And she soul. becomes uh, Marathi Kane. So she adopts a new name because she becomes basically the last embodiment of the ancient elven god of Cain. And she is now Marathi Kane rather than the prophet. Uh, and in the process, she makes peace with the Ideneth Deepkin, basically saying, hey, Teclas and Tyrion are pieces of shit. They don't like you. They're not going to like us. Maybe we should ally together uh, instead of letting them get away with being pieces of shit. Right. Um, She's pissed on all relations with everyone else. She needs right. someone. She needs some kind yeah, of she allies. She needs allies. Because she's going to turn around and piss on even more relationships as we find the turn of our, uh, yeah. our story where she uses her connections with the uh, dark scale coil in the city of Anvil Guard to completely take over the city of Anvil Guard. Uh, and to the point where she knows that they can't kill the Stormcast. So all of the troops are ordered to use uh, paralytic toxins 
to knock out the Stormcast rather than killing them, because if a single one of them made it back, her duplicity would be made known. Yep, that's a big word. Uh, and I'm, I, I have a pretty good vocabulary for a fucking kid out of Mississippi, I'll be honest with you. Um, <laughs> you just have to deal with my accent while I say the words. But uh, so um, the turn of the third story basically is the fall of Anvil Guard, where we <clears throat> see Marathi and her forces take over Anvil Guard, turn it into, uh, what is it, Hag, Hag Curon? I'm apologizing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, but it's um, okay. But uh, it is now turned into a new, quote unquote, free city. But basically, it's a free city for Dark Elves and yeah. in the new lore. Um, so that is, you can still play with Anvil Guard from a rule standpoint. The game, the book specifically says you can. Um, but uh, there's a new city specifically built around this idea. of Harkuron. 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 Yeah. Um, <laughs> we all have to say it. <laughs> so we know. It's important. That's how you remember things. You just repeat it over and over and over again. Um, Arcuron, but uh, so that's that's the basic just the story. There's a lot more, guys. Uh, that's that's a kind of a big spark notesy main points, but there's a lot of cool stuff that happens. Uh, I'm sure my two co-hosts have some things that they're going to add here. I'll say that this introduces one of my new favorite characters of all time, which is Kaiser Van Brecht, who is a Stormcast Lord Veritant. Uh, basically like a Stormcast witch hunter. And I really like his character throughout the arc of the book. And he's clearly a character who's going to be more important as we go on. So uh, that for me is a, a standout point is some really cool new characters, uh, particularly a Stormcast character that I like a lot. Um, and they lead into Slanesh being reborn and he speaks. And uh, you also get a snippet of the cloaked elves. The Shadow Elves. Yeah, Malaria. Well, yeah. And yeah, I, my big curiosity is Men. what is it? <laughs> what is it that liberates Van Brecht at the end? Yep. Uh, we, you know, it's that's probably, what it is. <clears throat> yeah, it's, well, that's a, it's I, everybody's special. got their guesses, you know, like what is it? Yeah. Like, no, I'm telling you. <laughs> is it Malarian or whatever it is? Yeah. And he's I don't know. What else. I mean, because. He's got some skin in the game to stop her, actually. Yeah. Um, all three of the elven gods at this point will have more than due cause to want to, you know, sort of take it to Marathi at this point. So. And everyone forgets about Ilariel because she does nothing. Well, she just sits in her little hidey hole, cowering. Uh, but she starts that? the invasion, but... Alarial is currently, and they haven't touched this lore since first edition, so we don't know a lot about it. What we do know is that uh, the Realm of Life is still very much so besieged by the forces of Nurgle. So she's not able to really get out and and be a massive part of the Pantheon um, because she is dealing with a Nurgle invasion of her realm and trying to push those back out. But she does get a little uh, story in there. She's yep. the one that leads the invasion into the all points. Yep, she summons a well, she Yeah, wave. she allows the combined Party. army through her realm. Yep, and summons that giant tidal wave to wash out the defenders of the at the realm gate. And kills yep. them with thorns and stuff. Yep, which is pretty dope. It's a good opener. Uh, Just lets them have an LZ. Hey, if I was at a concert and something like that happened, that's a good opener. Uh-uh. You know? <laughs> this huge tidal wave came out and ripped everybody to shreds. It was amazing. Took everyone's clothes off. It's way better than Guar. A bunch of fucking thorns got got us bullshit. 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I said, that is that is a very rough overview of the story. There's a ton, ton, ton of story. I, as a just on a personal note, purely from a how much did I enjoy it standpoint, I loved this book. I thought it was a lot of fun to read. So yeah, it's cool. And now Marathi's a god, and she's 600 points. A bitch. She's a bitch. <laughs> she was, what was she, 480 before? Uh, I believe so. Right, give me two seconds. I'll tell you. Something like that, but now you get both of them. Yes, yeah. now you get 120 points for an amazing caster. Yeah, one of the best casters in the game. And actually, one of the really cool things about the rule release on Marathi was the way they clarified she can only take damage in the turn. And yeah, they cleaned up her turn, rule yeah, set. Big before time. turn damage from endless spells is not like it yeah. still counts against that. And damage like turn. the shenanigans of turning little Marathi into big Marathi, where you use that yep. spacing to cheat, um, that's all gone. So, like, even though it's kind of crazy, it actually is a big improvement over the mechanics of the game because competitive players are going to compete and they're going to twist that shit up. So, but she's around till this, turn three at least. Yeah, this closes it up quite nicely. And she got more damage. She got a lot more consistent being yeah. one of the really important parts. I think they've actually, that was a theme through this whole book. Same with the IDNF changes they made was it was less spiky and more consistent. Yeah. I mean, that's what yeah. people would want and are understandably. So people tended to like consistent damage rather than spiky damage. Like I, I love playing my D6 <laughs> damage dragon because it's fun to gamble. But if, if he was just damage three, I would be just as pleased. So what about you, Jeff? What do you what are you liking out of this? Well, I mean, I like the change to Marathi. It's really neat. Um, even though I hate her. <clears throat> um, there's some really cool new rules for Stormcast involving Liberators. Um, it's a neat it's called uh, uh, Shield of Civilization, which is really back. A great back, man. That is fucking savage. Anyway, um, if they don't move and they didn't appear that turn, they get plus one hit and plus one of their saves. So, um, you know, if you have a unit of liberators and somehow manage to get them in cover and close enough to an objective, which is going to be really hard, but uh, if you can pull that off, you're going to be sitting there with a two plus save that you can reroll ones for. Yeah, you can move them after. That's pretty phase. good. They still get that buff as long as they don't move in the movement phase. Uh, yeah, that just means they can pile in, basically. Or be moved around other ways. All your teleports happen in the hero phase for that army, uh, which obviously happens before the movement phase. It's very they, difficult. They give up the right. ability to teleport anyways just by picking them. Yeah, but I mean, it says they did not move and were not set up in that in that phase. Right. Yeah. Yeah, um, okay, so yeah, that's a weird technicality. Okay, so that may be a little bit sloppy. <laughs> Probably because, once again, they don't know what the hell they're doing and didn't realize that these guys get set up at a different time, but whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll go into that uh, here in a minute once we get to the cities. But uh, so <laughs> to keep us from, because there's a lot of ways, there's a lot of things that went that changed in this book. So I, I've got mine open right now just as a matter of kind of keeping us on. So yeah. I think we should probably just start with daughters from a rule standpoint. Are, um talking about like those things like that Dayton uh besides Marathi what else is your uh what else your like big takeaway that you're excited about story wise uh shooting in an I or uh, daughters of Cain yeah it's, it's back so no more do you have to ally align in and bring in shadow warriors or something because they're 
their shooty snakes are pretty yeah. pretty damn good though. Snake bitches with bows, man. Pretty cool. Um, yeah, they, they got a lot better. They so they went from uh, one attack to two attacks with the range, the yeah. bloodstalkers. And their mortal wounds is still there on yeah. sixes to hit. And yeah. there's a lot of ways to make them shoot more than once. Just getting two shots per model is is such a huge push in the yeah. efficacy of that unit. Um, so starting out with some of the other cool Daughters of Cain stuff uh, while we're while we're on them, they also got a new sub-faction, a new temple called uh, Zanthar Kai, um, which is a, a new temple. If you're familiar with Daughters of Cain, you know, or sub-factions of any sort, it's a new sub-faction. It's very Malusai and Kenarai uh, focused. Uh, lots of bonuses for them. Yeah. Um, it's it's not enough though to pull you back away from Hegnar. Yeah, or, you're probably um, you're not gonna swap off of uh, shit. What's the big temple? Um, Hegnar is your most taken. Yeah, Hegnar is the five plus and Caliborn. Caliborn is your movement shenanigans. Yeah, yeah. You won't take Xanthar Kai for most re- for most competitive lists, but it's there. It's a new option, and it has a strong focus on um, snakes on snakes and and harpies. And, Harpies. You got three new War Scroll Battalions. Um, I don't know that I think any of them are tremendously effective compared to, say, like Cauldron Guard, which I think is generally going to be one of your better better options. But the Shrine of Blood is uh, a nicely usable, neatly slottable in battalion at two Bloodrack Shrines, two Blood Sisters or Blood Stalkers, and then two Kenrai uh, Harpies. So very easy to get that in. Uh, with the ability basically to sacrifice your harpies and your sister, your Malusai, to heal wounds on your shrines, which is kind of cool uh, and a good way to slot a battalion in if you weren't, say, interested in Cauldron Guard. Um, and uh, they they kind of nerf the Blood Sisters a little bit too because their mortal wounds is now at the end of the phase. Right. Instead of a, an attack that they did. So. Right. But uh, they don't have to be near them now. It's the every model in the unit. And uh, so that's the bulk of the daughters changes. Obviously got a lot of really cool stuff. The Marathi change is probably the, the most standout part of it all. Um, the thing that you'll see most consistently impacting the games that you're playing. Um, and well, a here's other- a question. Here's a question. Does Marathi. All right. First of all, was Marathi really an auto include or was she a trap? before and now does that change i'd say the majority of the lists that you saw competitive had marathi in them um did they go all the way not necessarily but you saw her a lot and always had to build a list to be able to deal with her and now that's 600 points and she got you don't lose your spell casting uh yeah i i don't have do you gain enough to justify it and does she transition from pretty solid to and almost always there to always there yeah so i think the, i don't think she's ever going to be an always there yeah but. i the the list i saw that were consistently doing tremendously well tended to act i feel like lean more on shrines two shrines yeah yeah two shrines rather than marathi i don't know yeah. that her rules changes make her an auto include but they do make her a lot more interesting to look at adding to your list uh, but yeah. like Dayton said, right, she doesn't lose her, her casting, uh, which is a huge change, right? You don't you don't have to make a trade every game between combat or a caster. Um, and Daughters of Cain need good casting. Yeah. I wonder if the change, while 
interesting makes her weaker because now she's can be in two places and if you target one you hit the other yeah there's you you can you know i think in an interesting way yeah yeah you can um so it's actually you have to screen her in two places now yeah or just take your three damage yep yeah uh and that's basically that's her her general protection is you take your three damage um so I, I don't know that she's an auto include, but I think she's still a really fun choice. And now that you get to put both models on the table, you know, there's a, a, yeah. a new bonus in that respect. So I think if her, if her cost hadn't gone up or had only modestly gone up, she would be extraordinarily amazing. But with the extra increase, probably being more than a typical caster, um, I mean, she's she both, is more right? powerful. She think is more powerful way, than a regular. Think of her away as you're getting a really good caster for 120 points. <laughs> right. I mean, that's the thing. Like, is that extra points worth it? But then, just with the way the the damage dynamic works, I don't know. It's interesting. I, I may buy her. We'll see. <laughs> I had her. <laughs> Anyways, I met Deepkin. I believe is next. Uh, Cities is next. So we're going by the order of Cities, uh, buddy. The the book here. Uh, so let's talk about things that make price mad. Um, we're going to dive into this. Uh, like clouds. Pretty let's much. Let's talk about clouds. Um, so there's Misthaven and there's Harkuron. Uh, there's a new War Scroll Battalion, Kraith's Shadow Host. It uses a Sorceress on a Black Dragon, Dread Spears, and Dark Shards. I think this battalion is actually pretty cool. It is Anvil Guard or uh, Harkuron is the two cities that can take this. But what you can do is you can subtract one from the armor save of any of the units. Um, and you get to add one to your attacks characteristic of either your Dread Spears or your Dark Shards. Now, Dark Shards already shoot twice. Uh, they get uh, a bonus shot if they have 10 or more models. And with this, you can actually go up to four shots per model, which is pretty nice. nasty. You can pump out a pretty hefty amount of shooting. Um, <clears throat> so I think that's a pretty interesting battalion. Uh, the Sorceress on a Black Dragon is a okay choice. The Black Dragon can still do some damage and you're getting a caster. Plus you get a, a free command point at the start of the first battle round. So, you know, you get plus one command point out of it. Uh, then we go into Misthaven. Misthaven uh, is from Ulgu. Uh, you get an interesting sort of outflanking mechanic uh, where you can set up uh, at the end of your movement phases, you can set up uh, one or more flanking forces on the battlefield more than nine inches from enemy units. So kind of like hidden paths from Living City, but more restrictive because there's only certain units that can do it. Um, so like you couldn't do a Stormcast, for example. Uh, it's limited to Serpentis, uh, Shadow Blades, or Scourge Privateers with a unit of up to 10 models that can do this. Uh, they also have Misthaven Narcotics, which are like cool one-use uh, per game things. For example, uh, when this narcotic is used until your next hero phase, add one to hit rolls for attacks made by the user. Uh, or, the narcotics suck. Um, so <laughs> once the, per battle. They're once per battle. Yeah. They would not suck Such anywhere crap. near as much if they affected mounts. The issue is they don't affect mounts, and almost every city's character that's doing significant damage is doing it specifically out of their mounts output yeah. rather than their own. Yeah. Uh, My sorceress has plus one attack. Yay. The other problem with this is you can get a bonus narcotic for each War Scroll battalion that you take. Now, dear listeners, I would like for you to take a guess at how many War Scroll battalions that exist 
for Mist Haven. If your guess is any number greater than zero, you're wrong. So there's a rule here that allows <laughs> you to take extra narcotics that you'll never be able to take advantage of. Uh, so some really tremendous rules writing by Games Workshop there. Uh, I think we did a great job. There's also no spell lore for this city. So if you have casters that have interesting spells, um, I hope they have a good oh, one well. on the War Scroll because they're not getting anything else. Um, this city feels really fucking half fleshed out. Uh, it sucks, and I can't imagine that you would play with it for any reason other than you think it's cool, which is a perfectly legitimate yeah. reason. If that's what you do, more power to you. If if you're doing a narrative game where you want to represent Marathi's lackeys, then here you go. Or you really Her want little, those daughters of Cain. Right. Her well, little lapdog losers. We're not even in that. This is Misthaven. This isn't even Harkuron, yeah. which actually has some like no. some teeth no. to it. This is Misthaven, and it feels like a mist, uh, pun intended. Um, I, I am I was so excited about this because it's basically Age of Sigmar most Isley, which is such a cool concept, and they just dropped the fucking ball. Uh, it's a yeah, real disappointment. Uh, but then we have Harkuron, which is the new city that uh, has been introduced that used to be Anvil Guard. So you don't get to take all the things that you normally can in cities. You can only take Darkling Covens, Order Serpentis, Scourge Privateers, Shadow Blades, and then one in every four units can be a Daughters of Cain unit. Um, you get a unique prayer, uh, in, uh, incitement to murder, which is great. Uh, we always want to murder people. Basically, you get exploding sixes. Um, the attacks uh, scores two hits instead of one, so pretty nice. solid there. Uh, and then a command ability uh, is um, you can use this command ability to start your battle shock phase. If you do, pick one friendly Arcuron unit within 12 inches of friendly hero. Uh, one model in that unit is slain. However, in that phase, you don't need to take battle shock tests. So basically, you kill one guy in a very commissar-like manner, and yep. they will not run. Um, Harkuron, I think, has slightly more legs. It's got a pretty good spell lore, six yeah, total spells. Yeah, spell lore is awesome. Um, they have Vitriolic Spray, which is a classic favorite from Anvil Guard. It's the one where you make a unit have a save characteristic of dash. Uh, they have Sap Strength, which is subtract one from hit rolls for an enemy unit that you target with the spell. Uh, Withering, uh, you get to add one to wound rolls, which is huge. Um, so they got a really solid spell lore out of Harkuron. Uh, of the two cities, I think this one's got uh, definitely some more life to it. It's a limited model pool that you're going to take advantage of, but I think there's some cool stuff that you can do. I haven't written a lot of armies out of it, but with its interesting spell lore uh, and the access to some of the, the Daughters of Cain tricks, there might be some really cool stuff that you can pull off with that. So. Um, but that's yeah. that's cities. Uh, one in city is pretty good, and then Mist Haven is bad. And I would like to meet the person who wrote Mist Haven so I can ask them a lot of questions. <laughs> like, do you normally work when you're high? Just I'm, curious. But do you play this game? Like, do you <laughs> is something that you regularly do? Or they How just... often do you guys drug test? And can I get a job? Um, but that's cities, uh, and then we move into Stormcast Eternals. Um, who got some big changes, uh, Jeff? Uh, would you like to go over these, or have you not had enough time to digest them yet? Uh, I mean, you go ahead. I, I, I have a comment that I want to make. Um, well, I mean, he's had a little bit more time than I did, but uh, I've read this. My, I, I read these quite a bit, so yeah. I mean, I've looked over a couple of things, and I've, I like I said earlier, I focused a lot on the lore. Yeah. Um, because my Stormcast list is still set. Like right. I'm happy with where my list is. So 
the rules here are interesting, but I'm not making a change right. unless they make me. And that's actually what I was going to say is my army was Anvil Guard and Anvil Guard is dead. So <laughs> is my army going to be there in a few, you know, like however long it is until they redo the yeah, well, your army's and Stormcast book. But um, they'll, I imagine they'll stick around, all things considered. So diving into the rules here, the they've added a new way to play uh, Stormcast. So you can play a Storm Keep instead of a classic sort of Storm Host. Uh, so you change out some rules. Um, you uh, uh, lose deep basically deep. giving up Living Tempest and. Um, you're still considered to be Stormcast Eternal Army, but you're trading out for a new set of allegiance abilities, basically. Like Jeff said, there was the Shield of Civilization, yeah. um, which allows liberators who have not moved or been set up to get plus one to their save and I think plus one to hit rolls as well. Um, yeah. Very solid on a unit with a, a base four. Goes to a three if they haven't moved. You really can cool. Also, yep, you can also include one in four unit in your Stormkeep can be from Cities of Sigmar to represent that these are the defensive forces of Sig uh, Stormcast. Um, so you can add certain units from Cities of Sigmar, which adds some cool things. And your Stormcast can use their command abilities within with some restrictions on Cities units in your army. If that call for a specific Storm host, uh, sub host, it won't work. But if it's like a generic effect Stormcast command ability, uh, it will work on your city's units. Basically, they're commanding their city's auxiliaries in battle. So, yep. Um, there's a couple of new uh, battalions. The one I want to talk about, and this is one that I'm sure if you're plugged into competitive Age of Sigmar, you've already seen this already. But there's a battalion called Stormkeep Patrol. It requires you to take one Lord Veritant, one uh, unit of Griffhounds, and then two Redeemer or Justicar units. Um, there's several different units that can be there. I have those keywords. And what it does is after armies are set up, but before the first battle round begins, you can remove units from this battalion from the battlefield. If you do so, you must then set up the Lord Veritant from the battalion anywhere on the battlefield more than nine inches from enemy units, and then set up other units from the battalion wholly within 12 inches of the Lord Veritant and more than nine inches from enemy units. So basically like kind of a pre-game deep strike or infiltrate, if you will. However, where this gets really nasty is if you take Astral Templars. Uh, Astral Templars have a command trait where at the start of the battle, all friendly units that are within, I believe it's nine inches of the general, can make up to a six-inch move. So what that means is that you could take up to 60 Liberators if you took two of this battalion, start them nine inches from your opponent, and then tra trigger your command trait because they both happen at the start of the battle, and so you get to choose the order. And basically, you could start 60 Liberators three inches away from your opponent, um, which you wedge your, yeah, you're, you're wedging your opponent into his deployment zone, and he has to find a way to get out of it. This won't work on all armies. Some armies have beta strike capacity. Some armies can get around it a little bit. This, though, is, I think, a fun and very potentially nasty build. Uh, it's reminiscent of late... Uh, first edition Age of Sigmar with uh, the Brotherhood doing this kind of trick. So I think this is a pretty potent and interesting list. And if you're like Jeff and own way more Liberators than any human <laughs> should already, yeah. this is something to do with them. So Back when I was young and didn't know any better, I bought Liberators. Uh, for a long time, that's the only thing you could fucking buy for Stormcast because it's all they made. Yeah. So. <laughs> 
but yeah, I will say um, it is a really neat idea. There is some limitations physically on the yeah. the radius that you have to maintain to get set up initially, but um, it's cool. It allows you to be really aggressive with an army that has a real problem with movement. So it's fun. I like but, the idea. Yeah, that I think is kind of the one of the standout interesting ideas from from this book from a competitive standpoint and referencing back to listener questions about them introducing competitive elements in these campaign books uh, i think this is a, a good example of where they've they've managed to do that and they've done it with a book that really needed something interesting to happen to it right like stormcast could can could use uh, an extra thing that they could do and so this is a really cool addition for stormcast players I got nothing. Um, but yeah, <laughs> that's uh, that's the extent of the Stormcast. And now we're on to uh, Idneth Deepkin that Dayton has been dying to tell everyone about since we started the episode. So uh, They've just basically got mount traits. So they can add mount traits and they can do that. The way they worded it, you can put it on the, uh, the named guy. Yep, yep. Uh, um, so he can get a mount trait, even though he's a character. And normally yep. can't get Mount Traits artifacts because that's and cool. Much like uh, every other book that has Mount Traits of some sort, you get an additional Mount Trait for every battalion that you take. Yep. Uh, so an incentive to take some battalions. That's one for him traits. is minus one to hit. Uh, yep, that's um, probably the go-to. And then for the Leviathan, you can either take uh, D6 damage on their charge now because they got a, a new ability now that they do D3 mortal wounds when they charge uh, or you can do the ignore minus one Ren or you can do the increase their bubble by to 15 inches instead of 12. Yeah. I like the, uh, the ignore the first point of Ren quite a bit yeah. on those guys. I think that's a, especially really with the two ability. up save that they've been given now. Yeah. That yep. degrades, but their movement doesn't degrade. Right. So it's an interesting trade-off, but they're ensuring that they're still getting around the board. Um, they changed the Alapexes. They've given them 10 more points, so now they're 110. Uh, they've given them more attacks, and they changed their blood scent now. Instead of just re-rolling, they do more attacks, I believe. And then the everyone had harpoons with their, or with their missile attack, but they might be changing to nets. Because any unit hit by the net now cannot do pylons. Which is a huge, huge oh, that's, change. That's, uh, especially so fucking gross. Especially where uh, a lot of combat these days, and a lot of armies have uh, focused a lot on those tricks. Like uh, Sisters of Slaughter, for example, great example. Yeah. <laughs> uh, notorious for a six-inch pile-in. They don't charge you. They sit six inches out and then pile into you. Uh, a very potent ability to counter those. So I, I think Dayton's got the nail on the head there that we'll see a lot uh, of ripped-off harpoons and some nets in their place. Yep. Um, it's also... Yeah. Oh, you only have to hit. I apologize. I just yeah, to uh, you took it right out of my brain, man. I was going <laughs> to say that. Damn it. Yeah, that's just have to hit. No one wants to go. Anyways, I know. Uh, There's the plenty Eilon. of space. <laughs> <laughs> the Eilon got uh, 50 points cheaper. Uh, both of them now have the five up. Feel no pain. And I believe it's the aspect of the C gets the plus one to wound. I believe that's correct. Um, Which is a really fantastic aura. Yeah. Aura. Aura. But uh, that's something that's not present in this army. And... Aspa, it is Storm. 
just I, oh okay there we go good someone has to correct me <laughs> that's why i don't do a podcast on my yep. own no one would listen to my bullshit but the uh leviathan so they took down the jaw bite to only do three damage now instead of d6 but they gave it an extra attack and they increased the damage of his fins by one right which and is a super big push like, yeah really and they've given him more attacks I, I think he's gone up but yep. they increased his points by 40 points which i don't think was needed to be fair what was his save before yep used to be a three plus so but that's it didn't, a big it didn't deal. degrade though I mean, Oh, well. So, yeah, they balance things. Yeah, but it's now, a trade off. I, I still don't think that you'll see turtles just everywhere. Uh, I didn't mean to make the sea turtles joke, but um, I'm glad I did. Uh, <laughs> I don't know that you'll <laughs> I don't know that you'll see Leviathans in every list, but they're at least interesting enough now uh, that especially in a Kellyan core, which I think becomes a much more attractive battalion now with the changes. Um, I think, you know, you are, you are taking one in an Achillean core already, uh, and at least it's a slightly more consistent damage dealer, so you're not just relying on a buff out of it the entire time for it to be worth using. Yeah, and you still, uh, I think it used to be the Void Drummer used to be you get cover saves, but right. they changed that word into now you just get an add a one to the save rolls, and it's not just the Namari yeah. anymore. Yep. It's any item of deep kin with eight or less wounds. So uh, yeah, that's and amazing. Uh, and what's awesome this guy is, is fucking awesome. Are you kidding me? <laughs> what's awesome is it doesn't preclude you from getting a cover save, right? Uh, which no. I think is a really big deal, right? Like because it's not cover; it's just plus one to your save. And so if you would get, you know, you can get Ishley and Guard to a two-up save, ignoring Ren, yeah, with four wounds each, <laughs> and present that as your target that has to be shot at for K. Yeah. It's cool. So yeah, there's some changes. There's some things that would actually make you consider other stuff, which is great because that yeah. was the whole point of the episode we did last time was your yep. options are limited. There's not and much the, thought. Uh, last but not least are some new rules for slave, uh, Slaves of Darkness. Uh, there's a new whole new sub-faction called Idolaters. Um, this is kind of a prayer-focused priests. They take marks and things like that. I don't think this faction subfaction is particularly good because basically it causes you to put four special rules worth of eggs in a basket of one chaos Lord on a chariot. Um, and so it's kind of a thing where like, it's neat in practice, but I think the end result is that you're going to have this really badass dude on a chariot that your opponent's going to blast to shit and back real fast. Turn one dead. Yeah, Because it, it, it's a source because like the problem is, it gives priests the leader keyword, but it doesn't give them the hero keyword. And hero is what you need to take, like all the things that you would normally get command traits, relics, and stuff. So, what happens is your war shrines go from behemoths to leader behemoths, which makes them even more restrictive in how many you can take. And they don't get anything, they don't get a benefit from it. Are you uh, saying the is, rules writers screwed up again? Absolutely. Um, yeah. It's so sad because like Marathi feels like it's corrected, yeah. you know, and like in a lot of ways, it's a cleaner playing model now because Marathi was always surrounded by a lot of controversy with fringy kind of unsportsmanlike play. And now like it, so then you move on to the parts of the book and it's like, well, this is fucked up. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean, they, they, get certain things, they get certain things right for sure, and certain things are, are not so great. I don't necessarily love idolaters. Um, 
I think that ultimately, if they FAQ it and they change it so that War Shrines also get the hero keyword, uh, it will help a lot. Um, but one cool thing is your cultists, uh, so all of your Warcry warbands, become battle line, and they get the Marauder special rule where they replace their lowest dice with a six on their charge rolls. Yeah. So you have a much better chance of getting some really long bomb and consistent charges out of them. Mm. So you'll see Iron Golems more now. Uh, yep. Uh, you'll probably see some Untamed Beasts because they get the pregame moves, so there's some screening there. Uh, there are four prayers unique to each uh, each god, depending on the mark that your guy who's praying has. Uh, so there's some cool special rules here. I just think that ultimately, like, you don't get enough out of this <clears throat> to justify running this sub-faction. Uh, you also don't have any relics in this sub-faction at all. Uh, so if you want to take relics, I hope your realm that you choose to be from isn't dog shit. Because um, <laughs> that's your only options so far. Uh, maybe that changes. Uh, and then they came out with a battalion called Gresh's Iron Reapers. It's a pretty lackluster battalion because it requires you to take Gorbeast Chariots, uh, which aren't amazing to begin with. Um, so... I, 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 idolaters and Misthaven are the two biggest misses for me in this book from a rules standpoint. So how many dark shards do you own, Bryce? Um, I think I currently have... I thought you had like 10. No, I actually have a fair amount of dark shards. Uh, I think I have Is like... Is that the shooters? Yeah, yeah, the crossbowmen. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, you had a lot of them. I think I have like 30 of them at the house right now. Yeah. because um, yeah, I got some play with that new uh, Free Cities. Yeah, you can do yeah. some cool stuff. They were always, they love shooting at a Vitrolic Spray to target. Yep. So if you yeah. can get Vitrolic Spray off and make something have a, uh, a save of dash, right? Mm -hmm. And then shoot them with 40 or more shots. Plus one. Of they're time. dead. Yeah, they're and dead. you can get plus one to wound. You get a lot of options. It's, it's Cities of Sigmar, so there's options to get plus one to hit and stuff like that in there. Uh, you can do some really nasty stuff uh, with that yeah. with that setup, um, but yeah, I agree. And the the cost for getting the extra shot to me is is negligible. Yeah, yeah you're dropping from a five plus to a six plus. Who gives a shit? Yeah, who gives that, a fuck, man? A five plus is almost pointless anyway. Yeah, and that unit already disintegrates. Like if you, I can tell you right now, yeah. you played that unit. If somebody's getting into them or shooting at them or dedicating anything to them, they they're not gonna make it. So. Yeah, it? if you're looking at them for defense, you you need to learn like that. No, you're looking in the wrong spot there, brother. Yep. Yeah, uh, this book has been great. I didn't really know what we were going to get into when we got the book, but they've really unleashed quite a bit in this. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to all of the other ones coming out. And the Mortis Lanesh should be a thing. Yeah, I'm really excited. I, like I said, I at the start of this. I'm super jazzed about this book. I had a lot of fun reading it. I'm excited to see the new lore that comes out with it. Yep. Cool. We'll see where it goes. I got my I got my little Sylvaneth army just waiting for Ilariel to like. Yeah, God, they need realize, it so bad. <laughs> realize she needs to do something, or else they're all gonna. Maybe they'll make loose. her a god too. Oh wait, she already is. She just yeah. doesn't have the stats for it. She she, yeah, she's just like I'm a little god. <laughs> She's she's a first uh, iteration god, so you know she doesn't have. All the cool <laughs> yeah, she's first edition god. She's alpha. <laughs> like if alpha you god. if you like if you do some kind of like uh, like Amazon call while you play, you get plus one to hit. 
know? <laughs> Fucking stupid bullshit. Oh but yeah, big reminder, uh, make sure you follow us on Podbean if you want to get in on that uh, potential yeah. gargant, mega gargant. Get your chance to get a free giant. Um, oh, one more thing, too. Uh, you see those uh, the Christmas bundle boxes? Yes. Anything? Uh, yeah. AO box looks pretty freaking gnarly. Yep. The Zinch one's probably pretty good. Um, yep. just for the fact that it's very usable. Uh, the Spike Gets is fun. Spike Gets is a great box just from a, you get a bunch of cool shit. Uh, the, probably the worst one is the Ogre box, especially because they just were like, hey, here's a giant. <laughs> but now when you want to run, because uh, what are they, min th- or max three? Yeah. In a unit. And they're usually in two in a box now. That's the way you get your third. There you go. Buy that whole box <laughs> and you get a third. Third yeah. Giant. What, a, what a bargain. Sell, sell the ogres. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's an interesting is is are the ogres transitioning to more of like a iron gut focused list? Um, I don't know. And I wouldn't take those uh boxes to be an indication of what's competitive. Yeah. No. No, but I mean, I was just thinking about how to use it cuz I saw it and I was like, mm, that's a lot of foot guys. And I was like, Ugh. but with the realm artifacts going away the old cavalry style ogre list kind of took a hit so i wonder if that pushes it back towards an iron gut focused army which makes that box actually okay it's a lot of painted nipples you gotta do a lot that shouldn't be a problem for you sweet pea (laughs) i'd have to take my shirt off and use mine as a reference for everyone yeah does that look big to you i can't tell Uh, but yeah, thanks. That, I, we should probably wrap things up. This is uh, this was a good foray into what we thought about this book. Uh, I'm gonna continue finish reading it, and I'm gonna run some Daughters of Cain list ideas and change up my wife's Idenf Deepkin list. Yeah. Turns out I'm she's not changing my list yet. I'm I'm still really happy with the offensive output of the list I've got, and nothing. It, it was everything for Stormcast was cool but it's a different direction than i want to go with mine so i'm not making any changes but that should be good uh yeah all right this is uh dayton signing off and making sure that as the temperature decreases you put your scarf on don't forget your scarves guys that's funny Uh, wear an ascot have a good evening guys thanks for hanging out with us look forward to talking to you next time See you later, fellas. Adios. Fellas, they are patappers. <laughs> I, my sincerest apologies. I, I already forgot what that was. Damn. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Awkward. Awkward. <laughs>